If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of February 21, 2022. The podcast that launched an asteroid into orbit. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's circumambulate the news of the bogus. President Joe Biden's approval rating is dropping like a stone. So what does the president do in that case? Time for a new war! And there always seems to be one standing by, just in case. In this case, it's the laughably debunked claim that Russia is about to invade Ukraine any day now, a claim that's even been debunked by Ukraine themselves. Which hasn't stopped the news media from giving him cover, of course, crying out that invasion is imminent based on, what else, secret intelligence sources. Regular listeners know how that goes. Already exposed as a steaming pile of crappioca pudding is the claim that Russia was about to stage a false flag and that there was about to be a military coup in Kiev. This is the way it always goes, but the news media never seems to question their anonymous inside sources. Because, like the Iraq WMDs, Russiagate, and so many others, these secret inside sources are just putting out the propaganda government once put out, but once deniability for. The latest is the alarm being rung that Russia is going to invade in, quote, the next few days. That was a week and a half ago. Elsewhere, outlets like the BBC were also being their usual mouthpieces, saying that the U.S. was sending troops to the Baltic states, quote, to deter Russian aggression. Which is odd, considering that the Russian troops are actually in Russia, and the American troops are 5,000 miles from home. And as journalist Craig Murray points out, quote, it is interesting that a number of people lost their jobs for not supporting the Iraq war, both in the media and civil service. Greg Dyke lost the leadership of the BBC because the BBC had questioned the non-existence of the Iraqi weapons of mass destruction. David Kelly was murdered for giving them information. But not one single person suffered any career detriment at all for supporting the Iraq war and for spreading the lying narrative of the Iraqi WMD. One might hope that they've learned their lesson, but apparently not. Quote, The journalists who now shill for war with Russia are precisely the same journalists who shilled for war with Iraq. Why would they not push fake intelligence now when pushing fake intelligence then boosted their careers as they enabled so many of the powerful to get richer still from war? And, of course, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is in the same pickle as Biden, needing a war to boost lagging poll numbers. And the thing of it is, they can't be wrong. Putin not invading doesn't mean they were lying cow farts this whole time. It just means that they forced Putin to back down. It's a victory for their strong foreign policies. But Russia never had any reason for invading Ukraine. Even if they wanted to act against the country, there's a lot they could do that's a lot easier. They could cut off gas supplies. They could attract NATO diplomats and increase their influence in Kazakhstan, as they've done in the past. There are a lot of options, especially considering that their annexation of Crimea was a Pyrrhic victory they're still reeling from. 
In addition, Russia has every reason to abide by the Minsk agreements, even though both the UK and the USA have abandoned them, despite being legally obligated to support them. And as Murray said, quote, I choked on my tea two days ago when a BBC correspondent reported that Ukraine could never implement the Minsk agreements because it could result in some pro-Putin MPs being elected to the Ukrainian parliament from the eastern areas. Remember that when they tell you they are starting a war for democracy. I think at this point the only thing we can hope for is that the people have become too savvy to fall for it. I can hope anyway. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. Meanwhile, back at home, Biden's getting his little panties in a bunch because Missouri and several other states have decided that the Second Amendment is actually still part of the Constitution. Missouri's Second Amendment Preservation Act, or HB 85, ban state and local law enforcement from enforcing federal gun control measures and allow citizens to sue police who violate the act. That includes, quote, any tax, levy, fee, or stamp imposed on firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition not common to all other goods and services, any registration or tracking of firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition, or the ownership of them, any act forbidding the possession, ownership, use, or transfer of a firearm, firearm accessory, or ammunition by law-abiding citizens, and any act ordering the confiscation of firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition from law-abiding citizens. When the act was passed last summer, Missouri Governor Michael L. Parsons said, quote, HB 85 puts those in Washington, D.C. on notice that here in Missouri we support responsible, law-abiding gun owners, and that we oppose government overreach and any lawful efforts to limit our access to firearms. Since then, dozens of state and local officers have withdrawn from federal joint task forces. Good. Last Wednesday, Attorney General Merrick Garland clutched his pearls and said, quote, This act impedes criminal law enforcement operations in Missouri. Yeah, that's the whole point! Laughably, the DOJ has filed a complaint saying that HB 85 violates the Supremacy Clause of the U.S. Constitution, when in fact it's those federal gun laws that violate the Supremacy Clause. The clause reads, quote, This Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof shall be the supreme law of the land, any Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. 
but those federal laws are not made in pursuance of the Constitution. They're prohibited by the Constitution. They're abeyant to the Constitution, not pursuant to it. At any rate, this is exactly the sort of action that Thomas Jefferson called the rightful remedy, and that James Madison justified by saying, quote, If the deliberate exercise of dangerous powers, palpably withheld by the Constitution, could not justify the parties to it in interposing even so far as to arrest the progress of the evil, and thereby to preserve the Constitution itself, as well as to provide for the safety of the parties to it, there would be an end to all relief from usurped power, and a direct subversion of the rights specified or recognized under all the state constitutions, as well as a plain denial of the fundamental principle on which our independence itself was declared. The DOJ is asking the court to prohibit enforcement of HB 85 and claims that the gun regulations are, quote, well-established federal requirements for the registration and tracking of firearms and limitations on the possession of firearms by certain persons. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt said that the DOJ, quote, seeks to attack Missourian's Second Amendment rights. Make no mistake, the law is on our side in this case, and I intend to beat the Biden administration in court. Hypocritically, the left is now repudiating the same principle that was used to support sanctuary cities. But as usual, with politicians, it's all right when we do it, it's just not all right when they do it. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Speaking of leftist hypocrisy, isn't it weird that it's horrible for a private businessman not to want to bake a cake, but okay for big tech to censor people because they're private companies? Except, if anything, it's big tech censorship that's unjustified since they're effectively state actors, as Glenn Greenwald pointed out in a recent video posted to Rumble. As he explains, quote, What's actually happening is that so often the decisions to censor nominally being made by big tech by Silicon Valley companies, are in fact being directed by political officials in Washington, specifically by Democratic Party officials who are using their control over both houses of Congress and the White House, and along with it, therefore, the entire executive branch, to pressure and cajole and often threaten explicitly that these companies need to start censoring more in accordance with the Democratic Party's view of what should and shouldn't be heard, or they will face legal and retaliatory reprisals. And exactly this has been shown by a long line of Supreme Court cases to be an absolute violation of the First Amendment. 
The latest example came when White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked about the Joe Rogan controversy and if Biden was satisfied by Spotify putting up a fact-checking disclaimer before the podcast plays. Psaki said, quote, It's a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out misinformation and disinformation while also uplifting accurate information. It's a good step, it's a positive step, but there's more that can be done. But government should have no say in what private companies allow and don't allow on their own platforms. Unless it's something illegal, in which case it can be taken down by the application of a court order, the First Amendment absolutely forbids it. Probably the most obvious example, as we covered, was in January of 2021, when Parler was taken down in a very coordinated fashion from Twitter, Apple, Google Play, and Amazon Web Services. And it happened right on the heels of demands made by Democratic politicians such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And by the way, the only complaint was that Trump supporters were going there after Twitter kicked him off. Which they can do because they're a private company and not a public square, right? Except years earlier, when Trump was blocking people from his personal Twitter account, AOC and others hit the roof, screeching that Twitter was a public square and he was cutting them off from public participation. Another example comes from October of 2020, when Senator Ed Markey said to Mark Zuckerberg, quote, The issue is not that the companies before us today are taking too many posts down. The issue is that they are leaving too many dangerous posts up. Greenwald writes, There you have it. That is the position of the Democratic Party. A lot of people believe that the free and open Internet that we all thought had been created and for which we were fighting, and that was the cause of the Snowden reporting that we did, and so many other controversies surrounding the Internet, was that it should be free of centralized government and corporate control. That was what made it so innovative and valuable. But it's expressly not what Democrats want. They're not even pretending. Even ones who claim to be for net neutrality. Hypocrisy again. Greenwald quotes the ACLU's Ben Wisner, quote, for the same reasons that the Constitution prohibits the government from dictating what information we can see and read outside narrow limits, it also prohibits the government from using its immense authority to coerce private actors into censoring on its behalf. There is no denying that the Democrats have been using the bully pulpit. Where is there any room for justifying this? In August of 2018, the ACLU filed a brief in support of, of all people, the NRA, who claimed that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo had been censoring them, not directly, but by bullying private companies to stop doing business with them. They wrote, The communications of Cuomo's aides to banks and insurance firms could reasonably be interpreted as a threat of retaliatory enforcement against firms that do not sever ties with gun promotion groups. That conduct runs afoul of the well-established principle that the government may not violate the First Amendment through action that falls short of a direct prohibition against speech, including by retaliation or threats of retaliation against speakers. Courts have never required plaintiffs to demonstrate that the government directly attempted to suppress their protected expression in order to establish First Amendment retaliation, and they have often upheld First Amendment retaliation claims involving adverse economic action designed to chill speech indirectly. The judge sided with the NRA, and that was not a controversial ruling since the Supreme Court ruled in 1973 in Norwood v. Harrison that the federal government, quote, may not induce, encourage, or promote private persons to accomplish what it is constitutionally forbidden to accomplish. For more than half a century, 
courts have held that government threats can turn private conduct into state action. Make no mistake, this is state censorship. And the problem isn't big tech, it's the government. By forcing them, or requiring them, or pressuring them, or incentivizing them to do what they want. As Greenwald says, quote, If you're a big corporation subject to regulatory rule by Washington, and Washington is telling you this is what you'd better do, namely, the majority party is telling you this is what you'd better do, of course you're going to listen. That is a huge amount of power. And sometimes people in the Democratic Party admit what they shouldn't admit. They say the quiet part out loud. And that's what happened in early January of 2021, when Twitter and Facebook banned the sitting president of the United States, Donald Trump. One of those quiet parts was said out loud by Jennifer Palmieri, aide to Bill and Hillary Clinton, both with their campaigns and in the White House. After Trump was banned, she said, quote, It has not escaped my attention that the day that social media companies decided that there actually is more they could do to police Trump's destructive behavior was the same day they learned Democrats would chair all the congressional committees that oversee them. This is absolutely a violation of the First Amendment. What has to go wrong in someone's brain for them to deny this? Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to chelate this week's Biggest Bogan Emitter. It's unusual for this to be given two weeks in a row to the same person. It's rare for it to be given two weeks in a row to the same person for the same reason. But here we are again, talking about Senator Richard Blumenthal's lies about the Earned Act. Last week, we talked about him admitting that, yes, this is about stopping encryption after all. This week, he's writing off all of the criticism against it as coming from, quote, big tech lobbyists. Among those was Natalie Maritzal, Senior Policy and Partnerships Manager at Ranking Digital Rights, who's a big tech lobbyist the way the Pope is an atheist. For those of you who missed last week, the Earned Act removes the Section 230 liability shield from platforms when the material in question is CSAM. Platforms will have to actively prevent the distribution of CSAM material, which effectively means a ban on end-to-end -end encryption. Aside from Lindsey Graham and Blumenthal renewing their push for the Earned Act, we also covered another bipartisan effort from Richard Burr and Dianne Feinstein. The Burr-Feinstein Act was shelved, but then again, we thought the same thing about the Earned Act. So the name of the game, as always, is Eternal Vigilance. 
Ranking digital rights joined with over 60 civil and human rights groups to oppose the act, noting that it doesn't actually do anything to protect any children from anything, and even worse, would undermine the ability of everyone, including children, to have the tools of strong encryption to protect themselves. It's SESTA FOSTA all over again. Marshall writes, The groups behind this week's coalition letter have no love lost for big tech. Many of us, including the group I work for, advocate for the abolition of the surveillance advertising business model that pays big tech's bills. Personally, I think the world will be a better place when the tech and social media sector is drastically reformed through a combination of strict privacy and data protection, corporate governance reform, and antitrust enforcement. I oppose intermediary liability regimes like Earnit and SESTA-FOSTA because I care about actually protecting people more than I care about sticking it to big tech companies by making it easier to sue them. Completely absent from any response is Blumenthal actually addressing any of their concerns. Blumenthal hand-waving their concerns away just proves that he doesn't care about children in the least. This is about encryption, a threat to his power and control. Shameful, but hardly surprising. So all of that gives Senator Richard Blumenthal another biggest bogani meter. want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's ketocize this week's... Idiot And this week it goes to Canada for crashing their entire banking system because they don't like their precious COVID mandates being protested against. Despite majority opposition from Canadians and truckers trying to bring goods in and out of Canada and from province to province, Justin Trudeau has kept his scientifically unsound COVID mandates in place at a time when most Western countries have put a stop to them and recovered fairly nicely. So in an act reminiscent of a 70s C.W. McCall song, truckers have been engaging in what's been termed as the Freedom Convoy. As many as 18,000 truckers and their supporters have been protesting the government by hanging out on Parliament Hill with signs and flags. Some 38,000 truckers have stopped driving due to the border restrictions. According to a recent poll from Angus Reid, 54% of Canadians say it's time to end COVID restrictions and leave responsibility for isolation to those at risk, up from 40% in early January. But instead of listening to the voices of the unheard masses, Canada invoked the Emergencies Act for the very first time since it was passed in 1988 and started making large-scale arrests of protesters. 
As part of the operation, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told banks to freeze the accounts of any protesters, which had the chilling effect of making it so no Canadians could get their money. Taken down were the Royal Bank of Canada, the Bank of Montreal, Scotiabank, and the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, among others. E-transfers, online services, and mobile apps were all impacted. While the peak seems to have been soon after the problem hit in the noonday hours of the 16th, reports of problems, although lessened, still abound. The only thing the banks would say is that they were experiencing technical issues. But even when RBC said all systems were back up, as quickly as half an hour later, people were reporting it was down again. CIBC never acknowledged any issues, and TD Bank specifically denied that there was any widespread outage, despite numerous customer complaints. Canadians reported being stuck in checkout lines and ATMs due to transfers being rejected for no obvious reason. Other than the obvious reason, which is new regulations demanded of the banks, as Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland outlines, quote, We are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets such as cryptocurrencies. As of today, all crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use must register with Fintrack, and they must report large and suspicious transactions to Fintrack. Keep in mind... Precisely zero transactions were discovered to be illegal. All of these demands are based on the government's assertions of illegal behavior, when in fact they're doing this to inhibit the right of Canadians to protest their government and petition for redress of grievances. The exact reason for the outage is still unknown, but it ranges everything from banks panicking and shutting off all transactions to avoid liability, to bank runs as tons of people rush to remove their money for fear of government freezing their accounts. But the timing is too exact for it to be unrelated. Meanwhile, the Canadian government refuses to listen to the demands of its people. As George Carlin said, you'd think that even in a fake democracy, the people will get what they want once in a while. So all of that makes Canada this week's Idiot Well, that wraps up this The Path of My Life is Strewn with Cowpats from the Devil's Own Satanic Herd edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar, and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Clarence Darrow. The Constitution is a delusion and a snare if the weakest and humblest man in the land cannot be defended in his right to speak and his right to think as much as the strongest in the land. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Low Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. 
We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.